Coming to the stage is a journalist who has paved the way for not only herself, but for those who are coming behind her in the sports industry. She's an outspoken advocate for those whose voices are underrepresented in sports and politics. In 2018, she was named Journalist of the Year by the National Association of Black Journalists. And in 2019, she was named one of worst 21 most powerful women in the business of sports. Did I mention she's won multiple NAACP Image Awards? Hmm, that's nice. <clears throat> she is a trailblazer, a contributing writer for The Atlantic, host and voice for this generation. She was truly unbothered. Please welcome to the stage, Jamel Hill. That's, you know what's amazing about that? Not that that's amazing, but the fact that you were like, nah. Because obviously the money is good. You, you, you've spoken to that. But there's so much more to life than money. You know, and the fact that you were in a position to be like, I don't have to do this. Because, I mean, that's where you were is the top for most people. Who will, I'll just I'll deal with it. You know, and black folks, we often have to deal with it for a myriad of reasons. And you were just like, nah. Because when you left, I was like, <gasps> and then Mike left too. And I was like, <gasps> yeah. you know what I mean? And I think, you know, it goes without saying ESPN as a network and platform has lost some of its prominence. You know what I mean? I think they might have underestimated how much the talent brought to ESPN. It's just my personal opinion. Well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I I think it's a combination. Is also the market changed. The market changed for sure. The market changed um, in the sense that now there's more than one way to skin a cat. Part of the reason why ESPN, and it's still in a dominant position, Mm -hmm. but I've always felt like if ESPN, you know, slips, be there, be it in cultural relevance or just in viewership, it's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts. It's Mm. not going to be, you know, because Fox tried that. They tried to like come and basically do everything yeah. ESPN did, and in some cases, much worse. Right? right? They tried right. to do that, yeah. and that's not how you do it. Because mm-hmm. as long as ESPN is a major rights holder, at the very least, you're going to watch the games. That is true. You're gonna watch the games. Like, I didn't even think about that. I'm. I guess I was thinking of ESPN as the the shows, like Sports Center. Mm, it's all about the rights because you gonna watch them them games on the ESPN watch it. app. And and listen, I think ABC is next in the rotation for the Super Bowl. So you saw the Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Good God, they just paid them an insane amount of money. I mean, they just they. I feel like they went directly to the treasury. <laughs> just give it to us direct here because the whole up. transferring is gonna take too long. I mean, they threw a they threw a bag at them. Man, and they did it because. When you have the Super Bowl, that's what you do. And the amount of money and income they'll be able to generate from that is is staggering. Mm -hmm. They have the NBA. They have every major sports. The only thing they don't have is the Olympics. And that's because NBC Smartly is never letting that go. (laughs) They they will – we don't care what they got a mortgage. Like, they're never letting that go, right? But ESPN is – ABC have been in the mix every year to try to outbid them. But – it's it's about the rights. So ESPN will never slip yeah. to the point of like they're ir- totally irrelevant. But I, I do think because people have left ESPN and been able to find their happiness, mm-hmm. that is what's different. When I first got there, you didn't leave ESPN. That right. was just, that was an unknown rule. But you look at a lot of us that have left and been able to find things that are very gratifying personally, and you're still making basically the same money, if not more, and you're much more in control of what Mm -hmm. you can say yes to. It's it's worth it. It is definitely worth it. Like you may, because I think to a lot of people, they feel like if you don't go to some place that matches the platform, then it's not successful. I was like, y'all have no idea. Mm. It's like the ability. To say no is priceless. The ability to say no is priceless. And the fact is, there is not a single partnership I have right now that I need. All of them I want. And there's a difference. 
That might be the most boss thing you've ever said. Like, <laughs> I mean, not ever said, but in this interview, everything I have right now I want to do, I can't say most people are in that position. Exactly. Like, that is a luxury to it's be able to be like. tremendous luxury. It's a tremendous luxury, and it's what, it's the liberation that we should strive for. The creative liberation is what we strive for. And I didn't understand that for a long time until I got in a situation where that was compromised. Mm. And then I got it, and I was like, this is really the deal. And the good thing about my print foundation, my print newspaper foundation, is that television was never important to me on the level where I felt like I needed to be on TV every day. Mm. It was something that I could walk away from at any moment and not feel anything. Mm -hmm. And because I had that mentality, it was not hard at all to walk, walk away from Sports Center because once it got to a point where I felt like there was no trust, that they really didn't want us on the show, I don't want to be somewhere I'm not wanted. And mm -hmm. creatively, we going in different directions. Anyway, why am I there? To collect a check? <laughs> right. I was like, guess what? That contract's still good, and I could be elsewhere. Mm -hmm. you know. And when I came to them and saying, hey, I want to leave, and I told them what I want to do, <laughs> they were like, well, usually we don't pay people this kind of money to do what you are asking. But I also knew it was advantageous for them to not have me on the show. Right. Because they were still trying to get from up under – the barrage of right-wing attacks based off the Trump stuff. So I'm mm -hmm. like, to me, we in a mutually beneficial situation. Right, right. You don't want me here any more than I want to be here. Right. So let's just chuck up the deuces <laughs> and call it what it is. <laughs> and that's all right. <laughs> you kind of sound like Scissor's grandma on that interlude. <laughs> you don't want me? You ain't got the fool with me. But you ain't going to treat me mean or See treat me I'm bad. Saying? Like, we just go that's out of our way. Right <laughs> I mean, she spoke the realest thing ever, but you ain't that got to treat me mean. A proverb. So you once said in an interview that sports has always been devoid of politics is a lie. Where do you think that lie originated? I think it originated with people who are very intentional about uh, supporting white supremacy. <laughs> that's where it originated from. I mean... <laughs> It's just easy to tell yourself that something doesn't exist because you don't have either the bandwidth or the courage to deal with the issue. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know that there are a, a people, sports fans, who love to look at sports as just entertainment. I get it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we had a whole robust conversation before we started this about reality shows. Yeah. Part of the reason we watch them is because they're a break. Absolutely. So, um, and it feels good to, you know, kind of laugh at somebody else's messiness. It just does. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say what it is, right? True. It's the truth anyhow. It, it, yeah. And I think with sports fans, they want to believe that something in this society is a pure meritocracy where mm. color doesn't matter and background doesn't matter and it's like yeah but it's a lie you know it's a lie because that's why there were very intentional rules to ban black players from participating the nfl had it major league baseball had it mm -hmm. like literally all the leagues had this yes. okay and um you cannot have uh, or even say with any level of credibility that race politics gender issues have never been involved in sports when they often have either led the way in terms of dealing with that issue or highlighted it in a way that you realized it was a real problem. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so that is why one of the first jobs I took after I left ESPN was working for the Atlantic because they were hiring me specifically. Um, to, you know, they didn't have this position before I came along, mm -hmm. but I wanted to write about that messy intersection between politics, race, uh, sports, culture, and gender. That's what I, because to me that's, the power of sports is that it's one of the few things we still do together. 
Mm. We don't do much else. We're a very segregated society. Yeah. Sports is something where you have Laker fans from a bunch of different economic backgrounds, a bunch of different ethnicities and races. You know, they can all find commonality in loving LeBron or hating that the Lakers didn't make the playoffs or all of that. Mm-hmm. And so it also presents you with a similar opportunity to bring the world together. Yeah. And yeah. we've seen that happen so many times uh, in sports. So that's what keeps me um, wanting to always be involved in writing about sports and commentating about sports on some level. So so talk to me about politics. Have you have you always been into that? Is it something you grew into as you grew into as you were older? How did you get kind of where you are now? Well, I mean, of course, it it naturally starts as you just being a citizen, you know, because you you like, where does money go? Who is FICA? <laughs> right? What's happening? So it starts from a very self-interest kind of level. You want to know where your money is going. But sports also does give you a huge glimpse into politics. Like, let's just talk about what happens when a new stadium is built. Man, that is actually a great way to look at Sports and politics. It is. That's a. I don't, I don't want to take over. <laughs> take over. I just want to say one thing. We lost the Supersonics when I was in Seattle. You know why? And it was Clay Bennett coming in. We want the city to pay for a new stadium. City doesn't want to pay for it. Well, I'll pay for it in Oklahoma. Hey, nothing to do with Kevin Durant. We just drafted Kevin Durant. And politics was why there was no new Key Bank Arena or no, no new Sonics Arena, and then the Sonics and they never. There's no team in Seattle still because of politics and a billionaire not wanting to pay for where his billionaire team plays at. Isn't it funny that the billionaire or the ruling class? I mean, they are ones who constantly are you know railing about in a free market and socialism is wrong but as soon as they get an opportunity it's like oh socialism for me but not for you right corporate welfare for me but not none for you you talk about welfare let's talk about subsidies and kickbacks from the government you we talking about a stimmy y'all getting full contracts and kickbacks the doggone i remember the pandemic and i get it delta the pandemic was three days old Delta, here's $3 billion. It ain't, y'all don't have a week's worth of money saved? Why are you in business? Why are you in business, Delta? You, I got more money saved you know than what, you. You know what they tell, that's what they told people with, who were getting stimulus checks, like, you should have planned better. Oh! <laughs> oh, we should have planned for a pandemic that's going to wipe out the workforce? Like, oh, no, they, they say this all the time. And, you know, it's unfortunate because a lot of the things that happen in politics are distractions from the real issue just mm. in this and the real issue is the concentration of wealth mm. it is <laughs> it has engineered so much inequity in this country and looking at how stadiums and arenas are built is a perfect example imagine the audacity to come to a city and say we need you to pay for the majority of this and we make all the money you just be happy you have a team what <laughs> i'm sorry that, that math ain't math right. the bills are about to build a monstrosity of a stadium of which the taxpayers will be funding at least 80 percent of that that's ridiculous and so when you see these cities especially like oakland that has mm-hmm. now lost the raiders yep. they lost golden state mm-hmm. all because 
the citizens, understandably, they're not going to finance your toy. Right. This is your toy. If you couldn't afford it, you shouldn't have bought it. Okay? All right? And so it is heartbreaking because, unfortunately, it plays on the emotions of fans. And fans want to see their teams, and they want to root for their athletes, and they want to cheer on the sport. And a lot of times it is just literally a hostage situation. They're like, we will move it. Mm-hmm. And do you want to be the mayor or the governor that loses the team? And that gets them every time. Wow. Every time. And it's like, I wish the constitution of people would understand the rig game. Mm-hmm. Like, if you stop allowing them to do this, they will be forced to finance their own stadiums, right. right? And so it's a political process that takes place. The voters have to agree to the tax increase. It's a whole political system. So the moment you buy a ticket to a sporting event and sitting in that stadium, sports and politics are, mix- are, mix- are mixing. Yeah, It's happening right there. You know? yeah. um, and so I think a lot of times that people, because they want to be optimistic, they want to, be some- they want to believe in something that – they don't want to admit that the NFL blackballed Colin Kaepernick. I mean, can it be any more clear, though? It's pretty clear. I'm, But it's almost like the Don't Look Up movies. Like, people <laughs> just convince themselves something's not true when it's very obvious. Just, it's okay. Yeah. Like, don't, don't, don't think we're stupid. And I get it. It's a good old boys club and all that. But let's... Let's just let's not stand on I ceremony, Mister Way. He went crazy, and they were like, "Oh I no!" Love that reference <laughs> is that a good one? It's one of my favorites because that's exactly what we that's do. Exactly like what we do. Colin Kaepernick, let like dog. You mean to tell me he can't be the third quarterback of any NFL team after just starting? When you go through the list of names of people who are started, I mean, Andy Dalton's still getting contracts, still cashing for checks why? for why to do this <laughs> for why. <laughs> why like right X Y banana? For why? It's like when you look at the backups in the league. Hell, when you look at half the starters. You just like you mean to tell me somebody that took a team to a Super Bowl and then back to the NFC title game couldn't be better than this? Couldn't be <laughs> on the field at all with no injury. Mm-mm. There's people who are injured. They're like, just let them rehab. Well, like so I and I get it. Like you don't want, you know, your majority white league, majority white owners. You don't want that type of behavior. So you need to send a message that. If you do this, you won't play. I get that. Let's just not lie. Don't call us stupid. Don't lie lie and say it's a football decision when it's clearly not. And, um, you know, on top of all that, uh, the other interesting dynamic with that is that it's also about resentment, too. Mm. The the owners resent Colin. And uh, they resent the fact that when he um, took a knee, it coincided with a presidential election cycle. Okay, this was 2016. Donald Trump used that uh, to bolster his own campaign. He kept banging on Colin. He kept banging on the NFL. And the owners resented being in the headlines for the wrong reasons. And all of a sudden there's all these stories being written about how, you know, fans, because anecdotally they're hearing fans say, I'm not watching the NFL again if I see any players kneeling. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the ratings like, oh, really? Are you sure? Stop. Because when the Cowboys on, I notice your ass is is watching. (laughs) I'm like, you're watching, all right? Stop. So there was there's a resentment factor, and he didn't they didn't like the fact that he was able to bring attention to their institutionally racist system. Didn't like it. That's you are exact. The NFL kind of like nobody was saying nothing. They wasn't having to hire more than a coach or two. Just enough 
you know, Tomlin, Dungy, you know, some combination of them. Right. And nobody was really saying nothing until he's and he wasn't even talking about the NFL. He no. was talking about police brutality. Police. People were like, hold up. But I know you ain't talking NFL because they basically got was in the yes. roast laughing and they didn't have their stuff together. <laughs> it was like, hold on, y'all ain't got no black coaches. This ninety percent black people. It was just exposing just the depths of white supremacy. I mean, is what he was exposing. So you you have that part of it, and as you said, they wanted to send a message to other players: if you dare to speak out, dare to get outside your lane, this is what's right waiting for you on the other side. Mm. Um, and I I think another big reason why. No one has decided to bring Colin in, giving him what I call a legitimate tryout and yeah. not that sham that happened. Absolutely. Um, the reason why that hasn't happened is that they're worried about the rub off effect. You bring Colin Kaepernick into your locker room, you are suddenly going to have players, players who have been conditioned to believe God family football or God mm-hmm. football family. Some of them football family God. Right. Some of them football and nothing else. Right. Okay. Right. This is the conditioning of a lot of the players is that football is a sport of conformity and you cannot have people like Colin Kaepernick in locker rooms Mm -hmm. who are getting players to critically think just by his own way. He's carrying himself. Like suddenly they want to start asking questions about upper management. They want to start asking questions about, well, why are you all have a contract with the, with the police force? Like what's happening Mm -hmm. there? What's going on in this city? Like asking too many questions. And then what happens is that suddenly you have a situation where the slaves are reading. And I mean, that's not to say that, you know, but there's a mentality that exists in the NFL, you know, and I, I, and, you know, I hope nobody nobody takes that literally, but that's what they're afraid of. Absolutely. Is that eyes will be open. And so they cannot have that level of influence in the locker room. They cannot have somebody who is bigger then maybe the team that he's on. Yeah. Because if they run into a conflict, the people going to be with Colin. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And they don't want that. That is that is true. I, I was thinking about this with the vaccine thing, which was uh, a lot of uh, class people are taking the vaccine stance on class or politics. Mm-hmm. The NFL was able to – once they were like, you finna, you finna lose money as a team, then people was like – and then people, white or black, if you weren't vaccinated – it was the team against you. Yep. And you never on the NFL, you never want to be on the outside of the team because it was Colt Beasley and 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 black person XYZ. I can't yeah. think of anybody black who was who was uh, yeah, anti-vaccine. I'm trying to think of somebody. Uh, I know Kirk Cousins, he's not back. He yeah. wasn't vaccinated. Beasley, as you mentioned. But it was like because it's the same thing with injuries and non-guaranteed contracts. The thing the way the reason the NFL can get away with it is because it's the whole next man up. Thing. Correct. And also, if you're gone, it's now my opportunity. If I don't do it, then, well, shoot, you, you have my back. Well, they've set it up to where if you tear your ACL before you are off the field, somebody's got that helmet, they're running you on, and the next person is coming in, they're now second. You know what I'm saying? So I think that whole ideology, you got 53 men on the roster, not including the practice team, times 30-some-odd teams. It's a lot of people that you need to keep going. That's why the NBA, that, that stuff will never fly. No, I mean, and that's why <laughs> just in terms of feel and mentality why it is so different because that guaranteed contract makes a big Absolutely. difference. And um, so the players aren't going for certain things and they have much more power and one player can change a whole franchise. Yes. And so as long as they have that leverage, when they want to discuss social issues or as they did in the bubble when Milwaukee just said, nope, we're not playing. Right. Okay. That's the game is over. That's the game is over. That's that. <laughs> so because of that, 
that goes down, that can never happen oh, in the no. NFL. They would have people in the stands playing for oh, the Steelers my God. that day. It's like so Uncle Rico would have been. This is my chance. <laughs> the <laughs> replacements come the to life. This would have yeah, happened yeah. happened in a second. Yeah. So we we could stay there all day, but we want to talk about you. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Lodge Freeway Media and how that came about. So this is a production company that me and my best friend from college, Kelly Carter, uh, started um in 2016 i think mm-hmm. uh 2016 or 2017 i feel like it was 2016 and we did it with the idea that as career journalists because uh, kelly covers entertainment and you may have seen her last week all over the oscars all over the abc <laughs> um because she was part of their oscars coverage but we are career journalists career storytellers mm-hmm. and i think because we know how to put together a story we can recognize good stories and so we wanted to get into film tv and digital production mm-hmm. And um, it's been great. I mean, one of the it, it was it, it's sometimes funny. I mean, have you been in, in in L.A. long enough to know this? Is that sometimes it's the idea that you you don't think will be all sellable is the one that sells, right? It's like it's so subjective. It's like it's so it weird. really is. Yeah, or or the idea you feel like oh, I got a little more to 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 flesh out, mm-hmm. and then that's the one they love, and you're like, <laughs> then the one you have like invested your time energy yeah. deck looking all perfect that's the one they like eh, we good you're like what <laughs> so we had this idea that we wanted to do uh a sitcom based off our our you know 20 plus year friendship mm-hmm. but not just about our friendship but about sort of a common experience that we saw among our friendship group you know black women are the most educated group in the country um Clearly, politically, you know, black women have just sort of become the thermometer for politics in this country. And so you have a point where black women are really seizing their power. But and a lot of, uh, you know, black women had become the breadwinners of their of their families as well. And so we called that new money. Right. And so <laughs> because it was it was funny because yeah. like, we of our friends were running into situations where we call new money situations like a friend of mine, like uh, she wanted to get her grandma car, car service to a funeral in Watts. <laughs> she couldn't find one because nobody wasn't nobody trying to go to Watts. I was like, that's some that's some new money right there. <laughs> like you really was going to get a car service. At your wow. OK, so but we're you know running into these these situations where um, affluence is possible, yeah. but we still are kind of saddled with these family dynamics, relationship dynamics. <laughs> so we, you know, we wrote out a one page to, you know, do a series mm. about it and we showed it to Gabrielle Union and she loved it. And so, That's you know, amazing. yeah. so she loved it. And we were like, man, we didn't think this was going to actually sell this fast. Like this happened. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, she already had a, a, a deal with Sony and um, we took it out to people and Showtime, they bought it. And uh, it was um, it was really surprising. And so, you know, we have a, a full slate of things that, um, you know, we're developing. And it, we thought this was going to be something that we did after our ESPN careers were done. Right. Right. But, you know, uh, partly thanks to Donald Trump, my timetable got moved up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, hey. this is that's super exciting. Yeah. So now we, you know, it's 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 great because it it does sink in again with what I've done my my whole career. I mean, the root of journalism is telling the story. Yeah. So this is just a different platform to do that. Absolutely. We we're gonna let you go soon because I didn't realize we're about to be an hour and a half in. I just been, I've just been chopping oh it up with goodness. you. I, I just been chopping it up with you. I don't want to hold you. Oh, really? uh, <laughs> what do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions about you? 
that I'm angry. But I think black women probably, we routinely hear <laughs> this all the true. time. I think people think I wake up and have my fist raised and automatically <laughs> think of 10 ways that white people piss me off and just go, the rest of my day is like that. Right. What they find if they hang out with me or get in a conversation is that I'm very laid back. I'm very silly. And, yeah. um, you love Married at First Sight? See what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't know until you came Married in. at First Sight. <laughs> Love and marriage, uh, Huntsville. I mean, I'm all in. I Below just imagine deck. you at home in pajamas watching Love and Marriage Huntsville be like, girl, I know you're crazy. Now, now, <laughs> this is, I got my stories, for real. Because I watch Young and the Rest of this every day. <laughs> Literally. I, I DVR it every day. Like, I, ha- I mean, I'm behind, so I have like two months worth. But like, I, I marathon it at least twice a week. When I go through, I was like, ooh, Phyllis, you so trifling. I'm sitting up there. <laughs> I am such a grandma. Like, people don't understand. I am That's a grandma. Hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I do. I think that people are generally surprised I'm so lighthearted. Right, right. Because I, you know, of course, on Twitter, I can be uh, serious and yeah. you know, Instagram. But I, I have a lot more silly moments, you, you know. And so I think um, people are generally surprised by that. And uh, the question. <laughs> Another question I too often get is, "Do you hate white people?" Which, which I think is hysterical <laughs> on his face. Like that's so odd that your mind would go there. Right, right, <laughs> but, right. All right, you know. Um, and so yeah, like I, I just think it's just that people think I'm just super serious, and I'm not. We've been having a good time. I just want to say, I, I think it's so amazing to. I mean, just watching from ESPN to now, and where you can go in the next 10, 15, I mean, honestly, the sky's the limit. Really, you can you the world is your oyster. You can do really whatever you want. Of the things that you are doing, what is the most exciting part about having this, you know, I guess open freeway to explore creativity and storytelling in all these different ways? It's it's the freedom. It's the liberation. I mean, honestly, that's that's the most exciting part is being able to really determine what I want to do, to wake up every day knowing that I'm doing something that I actually want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all, as adults, it's just part of adulthood. There are things you have to do to get to where you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a little bit of that. But uh, the things I'm building now, uh, to me, are far more important than maybe some of the awards that I've won in NAACP, you know, in case you forgot. I didn't um, know if that was going to come yeah, up again. But it's, it's good to know. It. I will <laughs> never not campaign again. <laughs> I will campaign till uh, I... Till I win or lose, but I will <laughs> never not campaign Just again. Just throw that out there. Um, <laughs> but no, it's like the the purpose behind what everything I'm doing is very clear. Like one of the things I'm building now is a network for black women with Spotify. Mm-hmm. You know, my podcast is Jamel Hill is Unbothered, building out the Unbothered Network, which will feature black women podcasters um, and uh, black creators behind the scenes. So, Because it was really important to me to create a space for us. Now, I don't have everything figured out about black sure, women. Sure, sure, Despite sure. being one, we complicated as hell, right. okay? We are. <laughs> but I did want to build a network that showed our nuance, our vulnerability, um, the full scope or as much of the scope of, of who we are. Yeah. And I think a lot of times you hear about black products that are not run by black people. I was like, no, this is going to be run by black women mm-hmm. okay you know it's me it's my head of content christina tapper uh, uh, ashley hobbs who is a creative producer like it's all black women yeah and that's who uh, we're trying to reach that audience because as you know the podcast audience 
is huge. It's and huge. They don't have, I think, aggregated offerings for us. No. And so I, I wanted to build a space for black women. So when I think about doing things like that, even though there are a few times a week where I'm like, this network going to kill me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's a lot because yeah. I, I never, this phase of my career, became about entrepreneurship and I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I'm a journalist. I hate math. <laughs> science sucks. I mean, you know, other yeah. than medical science. Like yeah, medical yeah. science is great. But like right. me actually like do you know, as 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 academic study, I was terrible at science. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> math, no. And I'm like, how did why God? Why? Why me, God? Why did you put me in this position <laughs> to where I gotta add and subtract? Like that ain't for people. Yeah. That ain't for me. <laughs> so so it's interesting uh to take this step and for me to be in a position of ownership with so many things, but I realized that is the gateway to empowerment. That's really the only is. way we could change the dynamic. Like I don't really think Hollywood as an entity, the entertainment industry, I don't think it's really changed. I think what happened is we stopped asking for permission. That's what happened. That's 1000% right? true. Yeah, a lot of us did like what you did. Mm -hmm. You did your own thing, became your own entity. You became... can't tell me no if it's mine. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? And even though this was not a step I wanted to necessarily take because, you know, being in charge of people is something. But <laughs> Man, like, what you talking, Jamel Hill? Something. Kevin is bothered. I don't know, Jamel Hill may be unbothered. <laughs> Kevin is bothered. <laughs> so that is, that is um, you know, management and, and all these other things that, like, man, I thought I got into this to tell stories and to be a journalist and all this. But I think it's part of what uh, creatively makes everything work. And mm -hmm. so building this network, I wanted to be able to leave something behind that would be permanent or to let somebody else who wanted to do something similar or thought about it to let them know, yes, this can be done yeah. and it should be done. Yeah. Um, the Unbothered Network should not be the only network for black women. Absolutely. I hope there are other networks that are born out of this once they see um, our full uh, offerings of what we have. And uh, I guess, you know, once you've been able to do a lot of cool stuff and at some point it, it's just really not about me anymore. Like mm -hmm. that's the... The other things are nice. It's cool to go to cool parties and great events and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Now, see, you talk about me and NAACP. I, I ain't never been to an Oscar. I yeah, mean. I was up in there. You were up in there. I was on the red carpet. I'm like, I, I, <laughs> God, I see what you've done I'm for others. People, I'm Can you my do people. that for me? <laughs> I'm going to hit my people and be like, yo, Jamel want to get in, man. You know what I'm saying? Let her go see. I'm out there gentlemen, like, <laughs> you know me, Kev? Tell them you know me. Tell them you know me. <laughs> VIP, tell them you know me. <laughs> So I have not been, but no, I mean, like, it's cool to do that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. I think uh, our our legacies are only as good as the shoulders we stand on. That's so. so and just, you got some shoulders that people are standing on. Uh, yeah. And I, I, look, I stood on many. Still yeah. do. And so I, I'm only paying this forward because I, I feel like uh, if I don't put us in a better position than what we were in when I got in this business, then it just kind of was all purposeless. You know, like I, the, the, when you asked me earlier about being the only black female columnist, sports columnist in North America, you know, the the shame of it is that I haven't been able to see that improve. Right. right? I was literally thinking about it after you said it. I was trying to think if I, after it was you, I couldn't think of anybody. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a black woman who, who became a columnist at the Orlando Sentinel. She took to my spot after I left. Mm -hmm. um, but she, she left after a, a little while and, and transitioned into another industry. And so 
I, I look at that and I said, mm, you know, that's the thing when you're working for other people, you can't create the space. Yeah. And so now true. I can create the space. Create so, the space. Yeah. Okay, we're going to let you go for real, Jamal. But after so these 10 So you say. This is, <laughs> okay. This is the Kev's the top 10. Ooh. We ask Ooh. you these 10 questions. This is where the controversy asked. happens. I know it. I know it. <laughs> All we ask is that you be honest. Okay, Uh-oh. number one, who's your favorite person? My husband. Oh, bless it. My husband, we gonna get Ian. You on our podcast. We got a book coming out called Marriage Be Hard, September 13th. I, I, I think I saw that. Did you, did I, you I pre-order? Saw, no, I didn't pre-order. Right, I you need got to, time today. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got, we, we, we're trying to get into our time okay. best-selling. We're trying to get into our time best-selling. All right, number two. What's one of your you. happiest moments? Oh, wow. That's a big one. See, gosh, now you're going to have me sound I mean, getting married was. I mean, I got married in 2019, and because it – it was November of 2019. It's a couple months from when the panorama started. Mm-hmm. So I always think about how grateful I am that we, I mean, we had, we had a massively fun wedding <laughs> and then we honeymooned for a month and it was a month. Oh, it was everything. So oh. just, I guess going back in recent memory, they always say with these questions, you should say the first thing that came to mind. So that was first. That's thing. good to know. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was one of your saddest moments? Um, Hmm. I would probably say um, it, it's not one moment, but I would say you know, my mother's a, a, a recovering addict. And mm. so I think um, seeing her at times, like at really low points, was, was hard. And, mm. um, you know, I mean, I, I had a bit of a difficult childhood. and so, But I, I do, I'm thankful for it because it prepared me, you know, later on for challenges I faced. And hence why a professional challenge while a challenge, I put it in perspective to the challenges I really went through growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, I can solve this. I couldn't solve that. Yeah. All right. That is that's something else. So I, I think seeing her go through that, coming out on the other side of it, this hence why she's the strongest person I know, was mm. really, um, you know, an, an incredible transformation. But you know, at its rock bottom, it was it was bad. Okay. Grits, salt and pepper or sugar? Oh, salt and pepper. Salt, pepper, cheese. I, f- I figured from the Midwest. Oh, every the- time you post. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't think. Every time you post this blasphemy about sugar and grits, I'm like, who raised him? Who raised this man? Black people are not a monolith. All right. <laughs> sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie? All right, fine, fine. You know the sweet potato. <laughs> such a, a strong. Was, pumpkin pie tastes like a boot. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Anita Baker or Patti LaBelle? See, you're wrong for this. But I'm going with Anita. Because she's from Detroit. Because she's from the D. But I that's know. not the only reason. Okay. Too. Like, most contra- maybe my most controversial movie, uh, music take that I have is that compositions, I think I said it was better than Rapture. I think that's what it was. Really? But listen. You might be the first person I've ever heard say that. Y'all don't know about that. Y'all sleep on compositions. <laughs> compositions? <laughs> Man, let Rapture me tell you. Rapture is just, it's Rapture a, is, it's it's a amazing. It's a masterpiece. Compositions, no skips. I'm going to go, I'm going to no go skips. back and listen. There's I mean, no skips there's on no Rapture. Skips on rap- look, no skips on compositions. Okay. That's Fa- the one with fairy tales on it, by the way. <laughs> Favorite black saying. <laughs> Favorite black saying. Oh, mm, uh, Maybe uh, what you're not going to do. Oh, nobody said that yet. What you're not going to do is we just break just it down. quintessentially black. It's quintessentially black because 
one of the multitude of reasons I love black people. We will tell you what we're not going to do. <laughs> Even if you paid us to do the things that we're telling you you're not going to do. Right? We'll be on our job and tell our boss, like, I'm going to tell you what I'm not doing. You'll be like, dang. My job, my first job, of all. Right. <laughs> right. I ain't doing this, that. You're like, but that's literally your whole job description, but I'm not doing it. I'm like, damn, go, we black really people. We'll tell our, nah, man, what you're not going to do is sit up here and right. tell me what I'm finna do. Right. Exactly. That's what you're not going to so do. So it's like, what you're not going to do is just a whole, it's, a, it's just a black proverb. It is. You know? It just is. It's a black proverb. Okay. What excites you? Um, creativity excites me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, b- building things excites me. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Okay. Those are the things that excite me. What bores you? Uh, staying complacent mm-hmm. bores me. It's being being stagnant, uh, settling. Uh, that's boring. Got it. Yeah. What do you want your legacy to be? Uh, helping others. Servitude is what I want my legacy to Ooh, be. Ooh, that's good. I'm yeah. going to steal that on yeah. future interviews. All yours. <laughs> myself. Ladies and gentlemen, Jamel that's Hill. That's it? I survived? You survived. Yes. Controversy free. She doesn't come down to the studio. Watch that composition take. I'm, I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to listen to it. it. I'm going to listen to it again. Vibe with it. Kid. I now love Anita Baker my whole life. I know. I'm I going just, to see her in Vegas. I want to go so bad. Oh, I have, I'm have. i shooting during that time, but I'm trying to make it. Them, and them tickets be gone like I mean, oh. literally, the moment they come out, so it was like it was gone. I've I've been fortunate enough. I saw a Radio City uh, music hall years ago, and she sounds exactly she like the album. Perfect. She's just a perfect. Uh, my childhood in the voice, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Jamel Hill. Where can they follow you? What should they look forward to? So, um, I have a very complicated social media handle, Jamel Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Very complicated, uh, but yeah, they they can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram. It's it's all the same. I don't really do Facebook much anymore. Nah, I don't. Every think now and again, I just... my grandma does it all the time. My mom is big fan. But you know, if you want to get into elders' tea, that's what a real oh, because oh, that... they don't know what they're where they're posting stuff. <laughs> no. They just comment where the picture of you. My I post a picture of my grandma. What we doing for Thanksgiving, Grandma? This you, not why are you asking that on on but a picture of of my comedy show? I thing. love it because <laughs> why you didn't answer my Facebook? <laughs> I want to know what Thanksgiving. It's it's April. <laughs> Why are we talking about Thanksgiving? For, my know. grandma can't rest until Thanksgiving for the year. <laughs> Whose where? house are we going to, and where is it? Because I got to get, get my. She got to get her outfit together. No, my friend of mine told me this story, and it's it's so on brand with what you just said. But she had posted about something that had nothing to do. It was a professional thing, and somebody. So one of her relatives older was like, you know, such and such dead. And I was like, wait, what? That's like, their one right there. Like, yeah, he done passed. Pass. It's like, you left this on the comments. This post says, Not what's a- your favorite Outcast album? You know, Ronnie gone. <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> Like, why? why? They don't care what you post. I need they to give know. you this information. They do not care. Call you. My mom, my grandma, no lie. This is not even a joke. My grandma will comment on my Facebook and say, call your mom. Yeah. <laughs> and now the world sees it. And they like, what's wrong with his mom? Is it is it okay? Why are you saying this here? On my Kevo stage. This is my work Facebook. Hey, call your mama. Why didn't you answer me? There's a thousand comments on this <laughs> random video I made. <laughs> Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Jamel Hill here coming to the stage. Thank you so much, Jamel, for coming. I was so excited. My wife was like, hit her up. She, all she could do is say no. And then you hit me back. It was like, yeah, I'd love to. I was like, <gasps> of course. And by the way, like, thank you for adding to my street cred. Because when I told friends I was coming, they were like, oh, my God, I love him so much. Him and his wife. And I was oh, like, you don't wow. even get that excited about me. But, okay, I'll pass it along.
along. It's good. <laughs> oh, yeah, because my makeup artist Tony, she was just like, "Oh my God, I love them. Make sure you tell them." So Tony, I told him. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been coming to the stage feature Jamel Hill. If you're watching this with ads, it means you're not watching it on the Kevin Stage Studios streaming service where you see this ad free unedited and all the like but you know find it wherever you find other podcasts apple spotify um and youtube as well thank you so much we'll see you next time